1: Hey there, Buffalo Bills fans. Welcome back to Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast here on BuffaloRumblings.com and everywhere else you go to get your fine Bills-related podcasts. My name is John Boccasino talking to you here on a beautiful weekend in upstate New York as the Buffalo Bills are preparing to take on the Indianapolis Colts in a massive uh, game with huge playoff implications, uh, both for the Bills and And the Colts, and before we break down the game, the key matchups, and those implications, I do want to bring on my colleague and co-host, Jamie D'Amico. Jamie, great to have you back, buddy, especially after we both nailed our predictions for the Bills, Trouts, and the Jets last week.
2: We sure did, and boy, did it feel good to get that one right, didn't it?
1: It was one of those things, and I, I said it on the pod last week. I wasn't going to call for the Bills to eclipse forty points again until they did it, because I we both picked it for you know Jacksonville and Miami, and the offense kind of came up you know woefully short. And then last week, the Bills did what a good team is supposed to do: destroy a bad team, crush an inferior team, and that's exactly what they did.
2: Yeah, it was definitely one of those get right games, and. I don't even know if the game was as close as the score was, but let's be honest. Early in the game, the Bills hadn't seemed to got have gotten their act back together yet. So when Josh Allen came off the came off the field after that series in which he got sacked, he looked like he was snarling mad, and I think that that woke his teammates up a little bit.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, you could definitely tell there was a, a a critical moment in in the in the the game, and when the Bills were able to drive downfield and get that touchdown right before the half, I mean, beautiful play calling by Brian Dable. I loved the use of Matt Breida. Um, I did like the fact that you know Josh really was on on point with his passing game. Stephon Diggs had a monster effort, and it was huge to get that touchdown pass to Diggs right before the half. I believe that started a stretch of four drives with touchdowns for the Bills as they salted away, again, a game against an inferior opponent. And that's what you want the Bills to do. And that's what that offense is capable of doing is putting up points in a hurry. Uh, the defense just threw around the Jets' offensive line like they were rag dolls. Uh, Mike White was uncomfortable from the get-go. And the fact that every member of the secondary had a takeaway... I mean, that's unbelievable. You have Taron Johnson and Trey White, Levi Wallace getting their interceptions along with Jordan Poyer, and then Micah Hyde with the fumble forced and recovered. I mean, Jamie, that's pretty rare for a Bills uh, team to have five members of the secondary come away with turnovers.
2: And I do want to point out that you are the one who said in advance that Mike White was going to be turned into a turnover machine, and that was the best prediction you've had since we've done this. By far the most accurate since we've been doing Bill Eve together.
1: Yeah, thanks, buddy. I, I think I called for three interceptions. So four was a godsend. Four was a blessing. <laughs>
2: yeah. You knew what was coming.
1: Well, let's hope that our predictions are as clairvoyant and uh, come to life uh, when it comes to this week's game against the Colts. Because this one, Jamie, look, I know the adage in the NFL is it's just one week and any given Sunday. And we've seen the Bills you know, stumble against an inferior team. Uh, like the Jaguars, this Colts team is not inferior that's coming to Highmark Stadium on Sunday. Uh, They did get off to a deceptively bad start, 0-3. They had a ton of injuries. They are getting really healthy uh, at the moment, while the Bills are dealing with some pretty sizable and significant uh, issues uh, for the team to deal with with the Colts. Jamie, this game, did you know this game is huge? Not only is it a rematch of last year's wildcard game, won by the Bills 27-24. But if the Bills somehow were to lose this game on Sunday, they would fall out of first place in the AFC East to those red-hot Patriots who have won five games in a row, and the Bills could fall as far as seventh place in the conference.
2: That's incredible, because with last week's win, the Bills thrust themselves into second in the conference it is a fluid situation right now, isn't it?
1: Man, the AFC is muddled. I mean, there's—I I forget the number of teams, but uh, the number of teams that are within, you know, five and five, or four and five, or six and five. I mean, there's so many teams that are in that middle of the pack that you really need to stand out and separate yourself from the pack. And that's why this game against the Colts is is huge. And that's why the Spencer Brown news is so devastating we he hasn't been ruled out officially he and star latula lay are still on the reserve COVID 19 list but it's looking not good for either of those two to play and both of them are going to have uh their absences will loom large in their respective areas i want to start with spencer brown and what his loss could mean for this Buffalo Bills offensive line that finally was getting back to the consistent ways we had hoped for uh, when the Bills signed them all this offseason. Spencer Brown's loss at right tackle is going to be a huge absence if he is not on the field on Sunday. What do you do if you're Sean McDermott with this offensive line?
2: I signed Bobby Hart. Hardy har har.
1: (laughs) Oh my gosh, I wish it wasn't true.
2: I know. Bobby Hart has the worst grade of any offensive lineman, according to Pro Football Focus, and the Bills just signed him because he can't stay with the team anymore.
1: After the Bills cut him off, after spending the summer with Buffalo, he signed with the Titans. I believe he started one game and then was kicked to the curb, and now he's coming uh, to, to Buffalo. You know, Jamie, I'm going to put something out there that's a radical thought, and I don't know if it's going to come true. I don't know if it's... A good thing if it happens or not. I got a sneaky feeling they're going to start Bobby Hart at right tackle tomorrow.
2: After being with the team for only a couple days? Yes. Do you want to know why? Yes.
1: So here's my thought on this. What has worked for the Buffalo Bills when it comes to the right side of the line? Um, Obviously, Spencer Brown has been a major asset, but We've seen Daryl Williams cannot handle being kicked out wide at right tackle. He is getting abused. He's getting pushed around. He's getting beaten pretty badly uh, in his matchups. And the Colts have a lot of talent on their defensive line, led by uh, DeForest Buckner uh, and also um, Quiddy Pay, their talented rookie. They've got some really good um, speed playmakers on that defensive line. I think what the Bills are going to do, they want to – When you're when you're missing two starters on the offensive line and John Feliciano's on the IR and uh, obviously Spencer Brown, if he doesn't play, that's two starters that are missing from this unit. I think Sean McDermott wants to strive for consistency on the offensive line. And I think he's going to keep the interior, the place that can be the hardest for Josh to stay upright, the same. He's going to keep Ike Bucker at left guard. Mitch Morris at center, and I think he's going to swing and push Daryl Williams back inside to right guard, which would mean you'd have the newly signed Bobby Hart out at right tackle, but I don't think the Bills want to mess with having Ryan Bates out there because then if anything happens to him or Mitch Morris, the Bills don't have a center on their active roster, and that's a major trouble spot too, so I think they'd rather deal with the limitations that Bobby Hart brings, and at least give their best three inside offensive linemen the starting gig.
2: Right. Yeah, I don't want that. So I think that there is an alternative to Bobby Hart playing in this game. And that would be rookie Tommy Doyle, who came in for a snap last week and get, readily got burned. But the difference being... He has a career and a future ahead of him. Getting him snaps might actually be good for the team in the long run, whereas Bobby Hart should really hang up the cleats.
1: Look, I say that knowing that I don't want Bobby Hart to start. I'm just speculating on what I think McDermott will do. I honestly, Tommy Doyle is a raw, rough prospect. And we saw that, like you said, uh, in his performance Last week uh, against the Jets. In fact, I was, uh, I was working. um, uh, I actually didn't get to watch the game live. I was doing some stats for a national women's soccer championship game. And a buddy of mine texted me Tommy Doyle WTF question mark. And I'm thinking to myself, Oh God, this can't be good if Tommy Doyle is seeing action and Lo and behold, it was not good. Uh, His action, his his performance was (laughs) terrible, uh, to, to say the least. I almost feel like I get where you're coming from with Doyle and having a future with the team. I'd rather see Jameel Douglas play than Doyle, just because at least Douglas has the experience of, you know, he started 11 games during the 46 games he's played uh, with the Titans. Uh, he, and I'm glad, by the way, that none of us are bringing the name Cody Ford, Cody Ford to the table. He is done. Uh, never want him to see the field again for a meaningful snap ever. Um, I'm, I'm glad that that's at least in agreement with us here. But I don't know. I, I, you, so you would take Doyle over Douglas? I think I would.
2: Yeah, because I, I think Douglas is probably mostly a guard. Interesting. By nature.
1: Yeah, I, interesting. Um, I feel like, and, and Douglas does. Douglas, the, the advantage he has, he has started 11 games at right guard. And if they do that, then they're pushing Daryl Williams back out to the right tackle. I just, I feel like. If you're going to have liabilities on the offensive line, at least make them controllable ones. And if Williams has played better at right guard, I'd almost rather see him stay at right guard than get pushed back outside where, my gosh, I mean, Buckner could completely dominate against Daryl Williams if he's lined up at the right tackle spot opposite Buckner.
2: I'm, I'm just not looking forward to this.
1: <laughs> That's why I wanted to get this out of the way early and talk about just how bad you know, it could be with the with the Bills' offensive line. I don't know what they're what they're going to do. Um, you know, from the lineup perspective, we've run through a lot of the question marks. And again, as we're recording this, Spencer Brown is still not been ruled out. Nobody has been ruled out from the Buffalo Bills perspective on Sunday. Tremaine Edmonds is questionable. We'll talk about the linebackers and the challenge they're going to have. But it's obvious that the offensive line is a mess. I think you're going to see a lot of What we saw last week with the Jets as far as getting Matt Breida involved, getting Isaiah McKenzie more involved, doing more of the Jet sweep plays, the pre-snap motions. The Bills are going to need to do everything they can do to really confuse the Colts and have a lot of pre-snap motion because if they let the Colts get set up in a rhythm and just pin their ears back and go after Josh Allen, it's going to be a long day.
2: And the twists and stunts are bound to confuse this team because they're plugging in guys that haven't played together before and, you know, or have a lot of experience playing together before. And to answer the question that you asked me a long time ago, what are the Bills going to do? They are going to get the game outside of the pocket, Outside of the tackle boxes, Josh Allen is going to roll out. And like you said, the jet sweeps, the pitch outs, anything they can do because the Bills offensive line has not been good in the running game this year. Hasn't been great in the past when they have their subs in the game. So I just, I think that the Bills, you're going to see some gadgety things going on in order to, at minimum, change the direction of the pass rush. You know, if if you move your target, the the pass rush becomes less efficient. But that still doesn't mean that the offensive line can go without blocking. They still gotta block. And they still need to try to run the ball. We'll see how that works out. But I think I really like your I think I like your hypothesis of keeping Darrell Williams inside.
1: Let's see if McDermott uh, uh, gets the advice from Brandon Bean, who is clearly going to listen and check out our tips and best practices for the offensive line of keeping Daryl at the inside right guard spot. And whether it's Bobby Hart, whether it's Jameel Douglas, whether it's Tommy Doyle, whoever they want to put out there at the right tackle spot, you got to hope and pray because this is going to be a very big challenge for this Bills offensive line. One thing, Jamie, I want to talk about when it comes to the offensive line and what they're going to have to do to contain Uh, The Colts' talented defensive end DeForest Buckner. He was a first-team All-Pro selection last year. He's incredibly athletic, 6'7", 300-plus pounds. He's quick, he's agile, and there's numerous ways he can get to the quarterback. He is just a freak of nature. But what's interesting is his numbers down this season are are down across the board. He only has four and a half sacks. He only has eleven total quarterback hits. Part of the reason is teams are doubling him. They're putting an offensive lineman and a tight end. So maybe you see Dawson Knox, who's a pretty solid blocker, um, get called in to help out at the right tackle spot where the Bills would almost effectively go with a six-person offensive line to slow down a very talented pass rusher uh, in Buckner.
2: And Buckner, you know, four and a half sacks at this point in the season is not bad for defensive tackle. Um, but they are going to have their work cut out for him because he was a terror all season last year and this year. Okay, sure. He may not be putting up quite the numbers that he did before, but this guy's going to find himself in the pro bowl again, in the all pro conversation yet again. And the better he plays, the better the man playing behind him is going to look. And that's Darius Leonard plays the weak side linebacker and might, be the player that the Bills should have drafted instead of Terrell Edmonds. Oh, I'm sorry, Tremaine Edmonds. We'll figure that out over time, though.
1: <laughs> well, so Leonard and it's interesting going over the injury report. Leonard and Buckner are both pretty banged up. Buckner actually has three ailments that's listed next to his name on the injury report an ab, back, and throat issue. Uh, but he's been. Yeah, I, that made me wonder was he poked in the throat? Would somebody step on him when he was down after one of his pass rushes? I, I'm not quite sure what the answer for that ailment is, but he has three designations uh, next to his name. Leonard is actually questionable with an ankle and a hand issue that's hampered him a little bit. You know, as, as good as those two are in name recognition, Jamie, the Colts do not actually bring the blitz very often. Um, they are the worst in the league of hurries on the quarterback. They are fourth worst in the amount of pressures on the quarterback. So they're they're doing uh, damage in name recognition, but I'm not sure if the name recognition matches the productivity this year because, again, uh, Buckner has a 17% uh, hurry rate and pass rush rate on the quarterback, which is not as high as you would imagine for a talent like himself. And the team just doesn't blitz very often. And when they do, they're not getting after the quarterback and they're not hurrying. The opposing quarterbacks. So that's show, That's telling me that other teams are able to game plan. And while Buckner is an incredible talent, you can take him away if you have the right preparation.
2: Yeah, uh, obviously you can, but you know, that's not the matchup this week that actually worries me. Ooh. Do you know which one worries me?
1: Um, Is it quitty Pay?
2: No, no, no. It's not even the, it's not the Colts defense against the Bills offense.
1: Oh, I oh, I uh, duh. da da da. Well, I I want to stay in the defense for a second though before we switch over to your guy who I know I know where you're going. I was in more of a defensive uh frame of mind here, but I want I want to continue if you don't mind uh with the the defensive side of things here because I feel like as much as we're talking about the doom and gloom for the Bills on the offensive line, there is a major bright spot. And we've talked about the running backs and who's going to get the lion's share. You know, everyone, Breida and Singletary did very well last week. Zach Moss struggled in his return from a concussion. um, The yards per carry, Singletary had six yards per carry on his seven runs, while Moss was barely, was under four uh, on his seven totes. Um, but I think the Bills, the running game, they're going to figure out, and if they're going to ride the hot hand, and you'll see more screen passes to Brita. You'll see more of those jet sweeps with McKenzie. I think, Jamie, as much as we're worried about the offensive line for the Bills, if they're able to give a modicum of time for Josh Allen, Josh Allen's going to have a field day on Sunday because the Colts are incredibly beatable and vulnerable in their secondary.
2: Yes, they are, and I'm I'm quite looking forward to this. Now, Xavier Rhodes was at one point a great cornerback, but he's 31 at this point, and quick-twitch players do not maintain that into their 30s very well. He's still good, don't get me wrong, but he's not what he was when he was 25 and making Pro Bowls. And then on the other side, they have Rocky Yasin, a rookie that was drafted in the second round, and... Does he have talent? Yes, he does. He has talent. He has some size to him. He mean mugs in his team picture, which, you know, that's always a good sign. Um, but he's beatable. And we saw what happened last week when the Bills were facing a team that had questionable a questionable secondary. They went at the Jets without a shred of respect. They said, doesn't matter if you're covered, if you're double covered, our receivers are going to make a play because you guys don't have the talent to go up there and take care of it. Th- that was no more clear than when they did those two consecutive fades in the end zone to Stefan Diggs. And you know, after that first one, Diggs came out of the huddle, looked across the line of scrimmage and said, same play. <laughs> and that time they actually scored. <laughs> yeah, I think that
1: really was a good omen uh, for the passing game last week. And it was interesting how the Jets really refused to break out of their man-to-man coverage. They never switched over to zone, probably because they just didn't have any faith in their uh, their safeties to provide help over the top. And I think a lot of that is similar uh, with this Colts team. Although the Colts do have a pretty good uh, nickel corner in in Kenny Moore who they're probably going to want to try to uh, avoid throwing at. But you're right. Rhodes and TJ Carey have been incredibly burnable, uh, incredibly beatable. So I think a big game is lined up for Diggs, Emmanuel Sanders, and even Gabriel Davis, who had that spectacular catch uh, last week over the Jets. Um, he's going to have a good matchup going up against. And you know what, Jamie? I, I don't, I'm i not sure if this is really how you say his name. I prefer to call him Rocky yasin because uh, I think that's a really cool, fun-sounding name for the the boundary corner for the Colts out there. Rock you, sin boy.
2: Um, okay. I'll take it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and that's really where, again, I feel like, um, you know, the deep down the field, it's it's a, it's an opportunity for Josh. The deep ball that was working so well against the Jets is going to be on display, I feel like, uh, on Sunday. Dawson Knox also has a really good opportunity to not only help out in blocking, uh, but in his pass catching down the field because as good of a cover linebacker as Darius Leonard has been, He is banged up. He's got a a high ankle sprain, which cannot be easy to deal with when you're shifting and turning and pivoting, trying to cover a receiver downfield. I think this is a great blueprint for the Bills and Brian Dable to dial. It can't all be the pass. The Bills cannot forget about the ground game, but there's major opportunities for inroads for this offense on Sunday.
2: Absolutely. And we saw that, that Brian Dable can mix it up with the personnel, with the play calling, Last week was quite fresh. Two tight ends the, pretty much the entire game. Lots of uh, getting the receivers involved in the backfield. It was refreshing. <laughs>
1: And I think you're right, though, if they see more, you know, 11 and 10 personnel coming for the matchup, if they bring in the two tight ends to play, the Bills want to do everything they can to get the Colts to break free from their cover two or cover three defense and make them respect the multifaceted weapons uh, that Josh Allen has at his disposal. Again, if he can get some time from the offensive line, I think the Bills will be able to hang 30 on this Colts team, if not more. I mean, Josh freaking Johnson threw for 330 yards and led the, the Jets to 30 points during that Thursday night route two weeks ago. The Bills have to get over it's, 30 in this it's one.
2: It's not a good defense. And I it's a very interesting matchup to me because I entirely expect the Colts to try to play keep away from the Bills offense, knowing how bad their defense is. And they have been very good at keeping the ball away from other teams can we please talk about the running back now?
1: <laughs> sure, we can. I just want to sprinkle one more thing in there for you. You know, I like to bring these fun little stats to the table. If I had told you before the season or if before this podcast started that on Sunday, the team that has given up the most passing touchdowns in the league was the Indianapolis Colts. How surprised would you be by that?
2: I would probably be pretty surprised because while their defense isn't very good, it's not a disaster the way like the Jets defense is.
1: Well, teams are going after the Colts secondary often, early and often, and I think Josh Allen will do a lot of that on Sunday as well.
2: With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear?
1: Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Here on Believe, Jamie, we are continuing with our preview of the Week 11 matchup, and you have been dying to tell me why the Bills should be afraid of the Colts' ground game. And I'm afraid of it, too. It's a two-headed monster. Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines, tell me why Taylor is so scary.
2: Jonathan Taylor, leading the NFL in rushing, is averaging 5.8 yards per carry. This guy, at 226 pounds, is a wrecking ball of a man, being that he only stands 5'10". He is poised to go over a thousand yards on the season here in, what is this, week 11? He has been great, but it's not just him. The offensive line and their zone blocking scheme has been excellent. They communicate very, very well. In fact, there was some film breakdown that I saw of this team and the only thing I could think the entire time was, my God, I wish the Bills offensive line functioned this well because they can dominate up front, led by Quinton Nelson, who's been an all-world guard for many years at this point.
1: I wish the Bills could have found a way to trade up when Nelson got picked with the fifth or sixth overall pick because there were people, there were scouts and talent evaluators saying he was hands down the best player in that draft and a guaranteed Hall of Famer, and you've seen the productivity and the proof in the pudding when it comes to how good Nelson has been. But it's not just Quentin Nelson. Their whole offensive line, unlike what the Bills are dealing with, the Colts have a lot of stability up front and they move as a team they move well in unison they block well for the passing game and the running game Carson Wentz has had a ton of time to dissect the defenses what Jonathan Taylor has done though Jamie has been so impressive he has surpassed I believe he's either surpassed or he's tied with Derrick Henry uh, for the league rushing lead and he's done it with 60 fewer carries than Derrick Henry so he is really Uh, a man among boys when it comes to the running backs. And he's got great vision. He's powerful. He's got a really explosive first step or two. It's going to be very hard for the Bills, especially with Star Latulale on the COVID list. So I assume, Jamie, from your
2: tone, that you're basically expecting the Colts to run at will on this defense. I have a feeling that's what's going to happen because the Bills up the middle are now questionable with Star being out. And we don't know if Tremaine Edmonds is going to play yet. Uh, Sean McDermott is playing that very close to the vest. So if they're without those two, okay. Now I I do feel pretty good about AJ Klein against runs up the middle. I don't feel good about AJ Klein when the RPO and the play action comes off of those run plays. So I it it, it feels to me like it could be the type of game where despite the Bills' success against the run this season. This could be the game where, like I said earlier, the Colts could be figuring out how to play a game of keep away. That would spell disaster.
1: If there's long, sustained drives for the Colts, and yes, they are very good at picking up third downs, moving the sticks with Jonathan Taylor, who, by the way, over his last seven games, has 1,000 yards from scrimmage and 10 total touchdowns. That's bonkers. And then you factor in Naheem Hines, who is great at catching the ball out of the backfield on those little angle plays and screen passes Um, and when you factor in yeah that the Bills defense up the middle is taking a major hit we don't know if Edmonds if the hamstring's going to keep him out and the problem is Jamie if you put Edmonds out there and he retweaks that hammy trying to cover one of those backs he could be gone for multiple weeks at that point and that would be a no-no with the Patriots closing in hot and heavy on the Bills
2: and that's something we've seen in the past where it seems like the Bills have rushed players back only for them to miss far more time than maybe they would have originally. I would much rather put your defense in a in a precarious situation by not having him on the field now and making sure that he is healthy for the stretch run. I
1: would 100% agree with you that the, the Bills have not shown a great uh, tendency of, of keeping their players sidelined for the required amount of time, and they do rush them back. Maybe it's the player wanting to get back on the field. Maybe it's the team wanting to rush them back too, but the Bills need to exercise a ton of caution when it comes to Edmonds because he cannot miss a month or more with the Bills having their hardest stretch of the year coming up, beginning with the game against the Colts, and then you have the Saints, the Patriots, and the Buccaneers. All playoff teams and playoff contenders. It's going to be a challenging gauntlet of a schedule. Hoping the Bills get off to a 1-0 start in this quarter, if you will, that starts on Sunday versus the Colts. Jonathan Taylor, we've talked about how ridiculous of a running back threat he is. And Naheem, Naheem Hines is a great dual threat who can both run very well and catch passes out of the backfield extremely well. But it really all starts again with the offensive line and Carson Wentz, who has had a renaissance season In Frank Reich's offense, Uh, he was a, a horrible quarterback the last couple years. In Philadelphia, he was getting sacked like crazy. He's only been sacked 18 times this year due to that offensive line. Carson Wentz, when you give him time to throw, it's a cliche, but he is great at finding the open receiver. What do the Bills need to do to make life miserable for Carson Wentz? Because if you get pressure on him, he's not going to throw four picks like Mike White, but he definitely could give the Bills a couple of turnovers.
2: No, He's really not turning the ball over very much this season. He has 17 touchdowns to only three interceptions. That's pretty good. That's pretty good, but he's also throwing the ball very short this year, and his completion percentage sixty three and a half. Which, if you're averaging seven yards per throw, and that's not even air yards, they're they're keeping him throwing safe passes. That's what's going on here. I don't know that Frank Reich is comfortable with Carson Wentz trying to light it up down the field, and. While Wentz has turned it around a little bit, I'm not terribly convinced of him as a quarterback as of yet. Can he have a good game here and there? Sure. We've seen a lot of serviceable quarterbacks play great every once in a while. The first one that comes to mind, hashtag bring Fitz home, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, Could he have a Fitz-type game? Of course he could. But the Bills need to sell out to stop the run and then make sure that they aren't letting any players get behind them. And that means T.Y. Hilton, Michael Pittman, the big-bodied receiver that I don't like seeing up against the Buffalo Bills. He's, Pittman is 6'4 and over 200 pounds. Uh, T.Y. Hilton, I mean, let's be honest. He's, he's not the T.Y. Hilton he was in his 20s. He's getting a little bit long in the tooth there. But he's still a good player. Um, but I'm with you. They have got to make... Carson Wentz miserable when he's dropping back to throw the ball and then let his flaws bubble up to the surface.
1: Which means you're going to have to get a lot of pressure from that front four yet again. Ed Oliver has really been on a good stretch of solid play up the defensive line. Same thing with Jerry Hughes. Uh, We need to see the return of Greg Rousseau getting more active and getting after the quarterback, uh, especially without star Latula Lay out there. And uh, if Jermaine Edmonds doesn't play, you're going to see more of the Vernon Butler role uh, as that one tech up the middle. And he was awful against the Jets last week. I shudder to think what he would do against a really good uh, Colts offensive line. And how they can really neutralize him. But that's where the Bills need to make Carson Wentz uncomfortable. They need to get after the quarterback. And that's going to come from the outside. The Bills are going to have to take advantage of the Colts' tackles. And get pressure on Carson Wentz. To hope that he makes a couple of ill-advised throws. hes You're right, Jamie. He's not going to beat you downfield. He's only eclipsed 251 passing yards in a game once this year. That is not a high threshold to meet. And he is just not throwing the ball downfield so if the bills can get some pressure they can maybe force him into a bad pass or two which we know is in his dna he hasn't done it this year but you know deep down he wants to give the bills the ball because he's carson wentz he can be a turnover machine if you get after him
2: luckily for the colts frank reich seems to have coached him out of that this season but i think that's because nobody knows him better than reich does who was wentz's uh, offensive coordinator in Philadelphia for a couple of seasons, and I I think that I think you are exactly right on the formula of getting to him. But you're going to have to pack those. Uh, you're going to you're going to have to pack the the defensive backs up near the line of scrimmage to make it a little bit more difficult on him. You know. You don't want anybody to get behind your defense, but dare him to try.
1: And now when you talk about packing the line of scrimmage for the secondary against the wide receivers, obviously we know Trey White and Levi Wallace are the Bills starting corners one and two. And your first thought might be, okay, we'll have Trey White shadow Pittman. He has not been the best in his career, Trey White, against going up against receivers like a Pittman who is, again, 6'4", almost 225 pounds. Uh, Pittman had a phenomenal field day against the Bills in the wildcard round last year, five catches for 90 yards. Um, Levi Wallace is probably going to get this assignment, uh, even though he does struggle against larger receivers. But Trey White, this is his... I, am, I want Trey White to take this on and say, you know what? I'm the team's number one corner. I'm going to shut down your opposing wide receiver, your best opposing wide receiver in Michael Pittman. And even though Pittman is not the quickest, he's not the best at getting the separation, my gosh, he can jump and go get a ball at its highest point and come down with it.
2: Yeah, I mean, he had himself a game against the Bills in the playoffs last year. And if it wasn't for a really errant pass by Philip Rivers in the end zone, The Colts might have won that game.
1: That was a fourth down conversion attempt, wasn't it?
2: Yes, it was.
1: Where they went for it instead of kicking the field goal?
2: Yep. How are you feeling about that now, Frank? (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh, our, our seats, just to ramble for a second, our seats for that playoff game were in that end zone when uh, the the Colts went forward and airmailed the ball to a wide open Pittman. And I remember I turned to my buddy Patrick and just gave him a huge high five and a massive sigh of relief because we dodged a major bullet on that one.
2: Well, I, I'm sure when you were sitting in that end zone, you saw the separation that Pittman got when the ball was put in the air. And you said, oh, God, oh my gosh. here's the game.
1: Here we go. The Bills are going to be down after being up 24-10, to 10, uh, and you're going to have to now have the Colts' defense and the Bills' offense rally against them down the stretch, but thankfully that didn't happen, and the Bills got that 27-24 to 24 win, and uh, you know what? Pittman is their number one receiving threat for a reason. I'm not worried about T.Y. Hilton at this stage of his career. He's only played in three games this year. He's a wily veteran, but he does not have the capabilities that he did earlier in his career. So I think if the Bills find a way to game plan for Pittman and take him out of the equation, then you're going to see the pass rush be even more effective in getting after Wentz. Agreed
2: 100%. Pittman is the one who worries me because the tall, big-bodied receivers, that's been the crux of the secondary.
1: Now, Jamie, this is going to be a a cliche alert here, Um, but it's obvious that to win games in the NFL – you want to limit the turnover battle. And we know that the Bills have been very good at forcing turnovers. They have the largest turnover margin in the NFL. They are 24 total turnovers on the year. The Colts are number two at forcing turnovers in 21. And the reason I bring this up is as much as we know that Buffalo can create those turnovers, the Bills have been very fortunate that their fumbles have not come back to bite them. I mean, there have been, there's a great, uh, uh, Scarecrow did a fantastic piece, uh, a video analysis on Buffalo rumblings, talking about even though the Bills are at plus 14 and turnover differential, they've been putting the ball on the carpet quite a bit. And the Colts are really good at forcing those turnovers. I heard that uh, Sean McDermott was working on this in practice all week this week, making the Bills focus on ball security and not coughing up the ball. They fumbled the ball 15 times, the Bills have. But luckily, they've recovered most of those.
2: Yeah, Uh, you saw last week when... There was a handoff, and it bounced straight out of Devin Singletary's hands and right back up into his hands. The football is known for taking unforgiving bounces. It's oblong-shaped. It's not meant to bounce like a basketball. And the fact that the Bills have gotten as many lucky bounces as they have tells me one thing there is a regression in the luck that is due <laughs> to come their way. <laughs> well, let's hope it's not this Sunday against
1: the Colts who again have forced 21 turnovers on the year, second only to the Buffalo Bills in creating turnovers and giving their offense a short field to work with. So Jamie, we've kind of run through and and, and obviously we've you know this game is going to have massive playoff implications. The Colts are currently in the 10 seed in the AFC with their 5 and 5 record. Think about that. A 500 record, and there's teams that are right below them that are 11 and 12 that have four wins, gets you in 12th or 10th place in the conference, and the Bills have six. And if they lose this game, they could fall to six or seven in the AFC. This game, the Bills need to get this win to kick off this key stretch of four games against playoff contenders. What are you thinking is going to happen on Sunday?
2: I'm thinking that the Colts are going to slow this game down but the Bills offense is going to have a chance to play well. So to me, it comes down to how the Bills defense is going to perform against the running game of the Colts, because I think that you're going to see a staggered Bills offensive line perform better than it has in the past, but not up to their regular standards. That's going to hurt the offense. So the scoring is going to be less than normal. I think that I think that the Bills' offense and the Colts' defense is advantage Bills, but not a huge advantage without the Bills having all of their personnel out there. So what's going to happen in that run game? Well, to me, that's the story. I have a feeling the Bills are going to do just enough to pull this one off. Bills will win this one 24-20.
1: I'm with you, Jamie. I, I I'm picking the bills to win this one. I've been I, I like the points you bring up. This is going to be a game where the bills have to do just enough. You know, this isn't college football where you have to get style points and roll up a 40 point blowout win, although we'd all love the bills to dispatch the Colts in easy fashion on Sunday. I'm gonna say the bills. I said earlier 30 was a key number. The Bills will get to 30. They're going to give up some long, sustained drives to the Colts' offense. But I say Buffalo, in the end, has just enough. They take advantage of the weak secondary. They find a way to limit. This is still a really good run defense. Even if Star and Tremaine are missing, the Bills are a proud, stiff unit on defense that can really limit the, the big plays. I will say Buffalo wins this win one to 30-24 to get to 6 and. Uh, to to get to seven and three on the year. And that's a huge win if the Bills can get this because then they have the quick turnaround and the Saints on Thursday night Thanksgiving. Ooh, boy, save room for your feast for that one.
2: (laughs) Oh, the night games that are prime time. Lots of eyeballs on those.
1: Another chance for us. St- remember the last time the Bills had a Thanksgiving game was the Josh Allen fumbled and then said, "The hell with this! I'm getting back my fumble and getting the first down conversion on that fourth down run as the Bills beat the so-called America's team, the Cowgirls."
2: <laughs> There's no bitterness in your voice or anything. <laughs> no, 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 not
1: as a child of the '90s who grew up watching the Bills get their teeth kicked in by Dallas in two straight Super Bowls. Uh, I know. But we're about gratitude here on Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast. And those are our thoughts on how Buffalo is going to fare on Sunday against the Colts. We want to hear from you. Get involved with our podcast on social media. Uh, Jamie is at the Jamie D'Amico. I am at John Boccasino. You can also comment on the articles on buffalorumblings.com. For my colleague, Jamie D'Amico, I am John Boccasino signing off here on Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast.